Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about shuffling through all of the Masks playbooks because you want to write a single move for your new one. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we'll be talking about where to begin when you're writing a new Powered by the Apocalypse playbook. I have a hypothetical for you. Okay. That isn't so hypothetical. All right, hit me. Um, let's say hypothetically, you are you you are working on an actual play podcast. Right. That doesn't sound like me. No, it doesn't sound like us at all. Yeah. Um, and so you're living and breathing this game that you're playing in, and you're thinking about characters that you want to play in the future. Um, I think it'll help if we put like a title to the game, like just an example game. Like let's say Masks a New Generation, sure, yeah. published like, by, just, by Games like, by Brennan Conway. Yeah, just like just, and just for pull, any game, pulling a random game out of the air. That or D and D, one um, or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you maybe you you you're predicting that your character is gonna like die, or that you're just thinking about the larger story. Okay, yeah. Um, and but because you spend so much time with this, and because hypothetically, let's say you also do a podcast about hacking pen and paper games. That sounds really niche. <laughs> so, I don't think yeah. anyone would listen to that. Um, you're thinking about writing your own playbook for this game. Because it's a power pod. So, yeah. so we shouldn't say it, should, I mean, it, like, it can't be hypothetically be D&D because hypothetically it's right. a Plowed by the Apocalypse game. Okay, I see. Because like I could also, just worth noting, I could see interviewing someone who had done that. Yeah. Uh, like if you like, like a show, like I <laughs> yeah, call it Modifier yeah, yeah. or something. Like I could see listening to that. But something that you're actually like sitting down making the things. Yeah. Like what is that? Yeah. Um, and so here's my question. Okay. Where, hypothetically, hypothetically uh, where do you even begin? <laughs> okay. Uh, As so, someone who might hypothetically have some experience in this. Writing some playbooks. And even let's say, let's say, let's, let's say less hypothetically, um, surprise it to me. Yeah, I, I thought um, that maybe it was. And, and I have a rough idea of the type of character I want to make. Like yeah. the type of playbook I want to make the type of it started as a character that I want to play. Yeah. And I was looking for playbooks that I wanted to play the character on. Okay. And I was struggling to find playbooks that looked like they matched. And so I wanted to, to, to maybe make the right playbook if it doesn't exist, because I think it's a type of character that should be available to people. Yeah. And that like, as people who are actively playing the game and talking about, <laughs> and who talk about game design regularly, we may, I might be uniquely, uh, positioned to do motivated to if nothing else motivated to uh so i think you've actually talked about kind of the first couple of steps in making a playbook um the kind of the first thing to do when you're making a playbook is consider whether that playbook needs to be made um i see tons and tons and tons of dungeon world especially playbooks that are one step away from being one of the core playbooks or like an interpretation away from being one of the core playbooks and you kind of have, a, have to ask yourself, is it bringing something new or are you just doing it for the joy of it? And either of those are okay as long as you are putting your expectations in an appropriate place. Yeah, the big flag for me that this was a thing that I wanted to work on and yeah. that I thought maybe was something that was a good thing to work on was that if if all Masks playbooks are kind of made up of two different things is how I see them. Yeah. They are both, they are, they are partially about 
what is the type of hero? Like what is the mm-hmm. type of, of, of character that you're talking about? What do their powers look like? What do yeah. they, what do they do? What is their, what is their superpowers of, of, of sorts? And then what kind of person is this hero? Absolutely. So like, like the bull, for example, is a like Wolverine type, like they're a brawler type character. Yeah. And so, the, so then the flip side of that is the second part is that the bull is a character that is about, people who are in love like they yeah. they are they like the when if you play the bull you are saying i want to play a character who kicks a lot of butt and doesn't have time to take names except Definitely. for the people that they have crushes on and then they scribble their names over and over again in a journal yeah absolutely um, and, and that can also just be that can be a non-romantic love also yeah just someone that that cares so deeply about other people yeah while also being the big <laughs> brutish thing yeah and so when i thought about that I thought I have a type of hero that that I want to write that I don't think really fits into one of the other playbooks. Yeah. And I also have a type of character that I want to play um, or a playbook that is about a certain type of thing that I don't really think fits into the other playbooks either. Yeah. Which is great. That's that's kind of step one. And like, you know, if you're doing it for yourself, do it for yourself. If you are going like if you're looking at Urban Shadows or Monster Hearts and you're saying, you know what this game needs? This game needs an emotional vampire. The vampire can already do that. Yeah. It handles that just fine. But if you are driven and you want to do it, absolutely you should do it. If you think it's going to be something that radically changes the game for an enormous amount of people, it's not going to be. Yeah. Just because it's already covered. Uh, so that's kind of step one. It's just, is it something that actually adds something in a meaningful way? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, and so, and actually taking it a step further that I thought that it was an interesting thing to have a character be about in a masks game. Yeah. And also I came up with a rough idea for some mechanics that I want the moves to do that are different from anything else that I've seen in the way that like the Nova has an, has like you generate burn and then you spend it, spend it on flares, which is sort of more of a, uh, almost a traditional like D and D type wizard thing thing, but that's totally different than any, like no other playbook has a thing where you generate burn first. Um, and so that was interesting. I love looking at the Nova's, uh, kind of pathway. Also, it's very interesting because it's, it is the Nova's burns and flares are essentially the shape-shifting move from dungeon world if you take it a step further and like flesh it out instead of having the player flesh it out themselves. Yeah. Uh, and that move is so controversial, but the Nova just hits so well yeah, on it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, and, and I think that's a great example. And actually talking about the bull and the Nova together is perfect. My perfect example of like why I like masks and why, what I think powered by the apocalypse does particularly well yeah. with the playbooks, which is that they have such radically different uh, things where like when you look at the Nova playbook, you have this whole like paragraph about here's how you generate burn. And like, yeah, it's, this is, these are the risks. And then here are all the different spells you can pick. And when you look at your, your, your bull playbook, it's like, you like to punch things. Yeah, absolutely. And because there <laughs> and are players, because yeah. there's players that want to come in and they want to punch things. Right. And it also, it tells you by the, like you can highly customize the rules per mm-hmm. character type. And so it lets you mechanically kind of, in, in the sort of genre bacony way we've talked about in the past, yeah. inform your characters how to play and yeah, inform exactly. different players how to play different ways, mm-hmm. which is like, which is so cool because even as much as like, there are so many core things about D and D that are the same yeah. depending on regardless of which playbook or which, which character class you're playing. Yeah. You're kind of fundamentally looking at the same character sheet. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, because fundamentally all of the character sheets are about how do you kill this thing? Yeah. 
And a lot of these are about radically different things. Like they all intersect with superheroing, but like, like the, the, the Janus is so much about figuring out who you are. Yeah. Uh, and the bull is so much about being really vulnerable while trying to project the idea that you're not. So why don't we get past the the love letter to Power by Pongo yeah, Silver Yeah, I'll, I'll stop. Lest, just like, lest people think that I don't love fate the most. Yeah, uh, we wouldn't want that. Because the truth is that I am the bull, and in my slot for lover, I wrote down Powered by the Apocalypse. <laughs> um, yeah, so why, so why don't I tell you about this character? Yeah. Um, because... So, in, so I, like I said, I started by thinking about the type of character that I wanted to play, both the type of powers that I wanted and the type of character that I, like the human knee side of it that I want yeah. to play. And then I have some rough ideas for how the mechanics, I, I want the mechanics to work. But I kind of then like I hit this wall of like, do I start with moves? Do I start with like where their labels start? Yeah. Do I start trying to listing out powers? Like where do I actually start writing something? Yeah. And like, I think hitting those two things, I think hitting those two things is really important because otherwise you end up with things like the emo kid yeah. that doesn't tell you anything about any of the powers or anything like that that doesn't have an informed storyline. Or you end up with uh, like the cryomancer that is all icy and everything, but it doesn't necessarily have anything with what it is as a teenager. Yeah. So I think having those two is so important. Yeah, And that will depend game to game. For Dungeon World... You can. Yeah, it you're making a thing. As much because yeah. the characters in the playbooks in uh, maps are a little bit two sided. Exactly. So the character that I want to make is what I've sort of tentatively been calling the wielder. Okay. Um, and it really started with a with like a, um, a King Arthur style archetype. Yeah. Where I wanted to play a hero who had a magical item. Yeah. And I love the trope in fantasy and science fiction of the player who ha- or the character who has has some great magical item, um, mm-hmm. but it it warps or messes with their personality in some way. Right. And yeah. it, and in sometimes it can be as something as simple as like maybe the ring literally talks to you. Yeah. And and manifests as a thing or or the object just audibly talks yeah uh, and is telling you to go go do this thing or betray your friends or it's whispering um things in your ear um or maybe it's drawing just nazgul actually yeah. drawing nazgul would probably be more the doomed yeah so um or, separating that out or it's something more more simpler more yeah. subtle like when you wield the magical sword excalibur you yeah. are pushed toward justice and vengeance or not, right. not not vengeance but justice and you're pushed towards doing right and good in the world and it's it's messing with your personality a little bit. I'm reminded of uh, the Dresden Files, the Swords of the Cross as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being a knight uh, makes it so that you start kind of having... <laughs> That's complicated. There's a yeah, lot. Yeah. There's a lot and there. And so I like this idea that the source of... The, and so I went in with the source of the power is some magical item. Yeah. And, and, in that, and that could be everything from like... Like Venom is this type of character, in right? The, and in that case, it's it's a literal gooey suit, and it could be a, something as far off as like Ghost Rider, where the item is a car okay. or a motorcycle. Okay, uh, depending on which Ghost Rider. I, I was going to say Ghost Rider, usually in a motorcycle, from what I've seen. 
I think I'm just the the ghostwriter that pops in my head is the one for is is um is uh, Reyes. Reyes from and he uses a Agents car. of Shield. You're right. In Agents of Shield. He has a car. Yeah. So that's that's just the ghostwriter that's in my head. But yeah, which you have some I'm kind of sad vehicle. that that isn't the one that pops into my head. And so, or, or what about on um, like Green Lantern? Yeah, that kind of um, same sort of thing. Or I think that maybe the Green Lantern fits into some of the like the Nova tropes a okay. little bit. Yeah, but yeah, it's t- it's similar, same idea. They have right. an item that lets them do things. It grants them powers, and then it also pushes them. It, I'm not sure how much the Green Lantern's power is, is actually pushing is pushed by them, but they yeah. live they do live by a code. Okay, it's not quite the same as the way that like the Venom symbiote pushes them towards doing things. Yeah, yeah, that's those are definitely two different things. And so I think naturally out of that, I came into this idea that um, you have a character who has these great powers, but is mm-hmm. also a high schooler. And yeah. what? And so I started asking myself, what is rel- what's a relevant, interesting storyline about characters that are being pushed by something? And I realized mm-hmm. that this is a, this is a bullying storyline. This is okay. this is about a character who has powers that let them lets them do great things, yeah. and enables them in a major way. But is also it's it's emotionally manipulating them. Yeah, it's it's taunting them and it's pushing them to act in a certain way. And that's what a bully does. Yeah. And it could even be potentially like a friend that pushes someone hard in a way. It's, it's yeah. definitely, it's yeah, about yeah, yeah. influence. It's about an influence. Yeah. Really and I thought that, 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 um, that melded really well with masks in general being yeah. a game about the way teenagers see themselves yeah. and that, and that nobody can kind of really like as much as adults and other people around you have influence over you. Yeah. I think nothing really has as much influence over you as yourself or a thing that is that close to you. Right. It's like um, an internal thing going on. Yeah. And so I wanted to have a, a, a class where you have an item and the item is a big part of the class. Like the item is the big part of your power set. So rather than choosing powers or whatever, you kind of describe the item or vehicle yeah. or whatever it is. And what does it grant you? What does it let you do? Yeah. Um, and then how does it manipulate you? And that may take the form of, of what labels as a sort of represent. Yeah. Um, I haven't quite played with that, but the thing that I really wanted it to do was push on your conditions. Yeah. Because okay. I hadn't seen a lot of other mechanics in masks that play with um, the sort of, I haven't quite decided whether or not it's going to be sort of a, like choose to mark angry and then okay. in and then because you did that you get to do this cool bigger power or this move is triggered by you becoming angry okay or yeah. you get to do this cool power and and pay, and to pay for that you have to mark angry okay yeah which i think is a, a kind of a maybe a, a, a narrow distinction yeah but. i think i think so but i think it is an important one um there are a couple of the playbooks that do touch upon using conditions yeah uh the nova creates uh gets more burn by having more conditions okay and I believe the bull has a move that if they're angry, they're able to do things harder. Oh, yeah, that might be true. Um, which makes sense. But yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. does sound like a wholly different thing. Yeah. So the first thing that I would do is make sure that you have a really good understanding of the various systems and currencies involved in the PBTA game. Yeah. Okay. So kind of big picture. Uh, what you're looking for is the things, the moving parts and how they connect to each other. Uh, all of the moving parts in masks and most of the kind of big well-known ones also all connect with each other. So for masks, what you're looking at is labels, influence, conditions, and team. Uh, those are kind of the four core com- yeah. uh, kind of currencies that are going on. And so if you look at any of the playbooks, all of them or most of them will have a way to interact with each of those things. Uh, 
it might be just clearing a condition or it might be causing a condition. Yeah. Uh, the conditions is kind of obvious because conditions are in play all the time. Uh, but most things have something that has to do with that. Uh, changing labels is huge. I mean, like some of the yeah. playbooks have more connection to labels than others. The delinquent is about labels. Yeah. It's all, every single one of its moves is about yeah. labels pretty much. Yeah. Uh, team is used a little bit less in the playbooks, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing because the core mechanic for team is nice and snappy. Yeah. That's my next playbook, though. I want to make <laughs> the, a team player. The team guy? Yeah. I, I think I saw somebody made the team leader. I wouldn't be surprised if the brain playbook that hasn't been released yet does something with that. I could definitely see that. Um, although the brain in a lot of comics is a little separate from the team also. Okay. So, so I'm not sure. We'll have to see. I think the soldier definitely will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so... So like I, I feel like I, I had seen a lot of playbooks that had moves that let you clear conditions. Yeah. But I don't remember a lot of things that sort of interacted that with that mechanic a little bit more yeah. intimately. And so that's what I was kind of interested in exploring. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm also just the player who gets himself in trouble a lot. Yeah, marks and a lot of wants to mark conditions. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to try to find a way to use that to uh, my advantage. Sounds great. So once you have kind of that list and that you know that you have to interact with those things... There's also just the kind of core competency of lists that need to happen. Yeah. So like looking at the playbook and have it in front of you and writing down hero name, yeah. real name, look, abilities, and just kind of going through that list. Yeah. Because there are a few things that are that are like, you know, less fun than picking up a Monster Hearts uh, character and going like, oh my gosh, this playbook is so good. And then realizing that there's no darkest self, which is kind of one of the core things in it yeah. so like if you're making the wielder you need that moment of truth you yeah. need those yeah, drama yeah. moves and i need and and some of that i have begun with the the the, the look and the power and the names yeah. and stuff like that I've, I've begun working on sort of just by i've made this big list of characters that i think fit the yeah. trope and that are similar enough and so i can use those as as uh, influences from the look yeah and stuff like that um so once you have that in place uh, some of those things also will be like, like stats. Those, it's a thing that in masks is in some ways less important because your stats shift so much during play, but it kind of clues the GM and clues you into the things that you're best at. So like the transformed rolls with freak for almost all of its moves. So it starts with three freak. It is about being a freak in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I don't think we need to necessarily jump into no. that right away. Um, I think, although I think that the, the wielder probably has kind of high mundane. Yeah. Uh, and maybe danger. I could see danger. Um, only in the sense that they sense the, like they're aware of the power of the item. Yeah. If, and they see that as dangerous. Yeah. If you're pushing, if you're kind of pushing into the symbiote slash bullying sort of metaphor, yeah. Then danger's definitely up there. Yeah. Like, you know, there's all sorts of different like flavor things to fill in, but the core thing that makes a playbook stand out on its own is its moves. Okay. 
So you generally would recommend like make sure you have a good idea of where we're going, um, uh, a path. Like I know sort of where my end goal is. I've thought about yeah. what the characters should look like. Yeah. Um, I have a list of things that are that are true of the character in a in a story sense, and I have a list of characters that I think represent this character. So I have a good like vision in my mind yeah. of what this playbook should look like. And once I've done that, you think that, and, and, I, and so, and I've begun thinking about the, the, the mechanics and the, um, the economy of the game in general, yeah. in this case, masks. Yeah. Um, and so you think the next, the next place to start is the moves. Well, it's, it's kind of figuring out what for this playbook are the moments that feel really, really cool Okay. and trying to hit those moments because like, yeah, you can make it so that the bull has a playbook move that's like, hey, when you get attacked, don't roll with conditions. But like, yeah, I guess that does speak to invulnerability. Yeah. But that's not super fun. How, okay, just stepping back one second. Yeah. How do you make the decision, because Masks is a game that has a lot of variety in its moves. How do you decide like uh, whether or not you're going to go with a a system like, like the Nova that has, Mm -hmm. they have like one big move with a lot of choices or like um, the beacon has a lot of different moves. Yeah. Well, the delinquent has no feature. Yeah. I think almost every other playbook has a feature of some kind or like, so in this, in, so in the game we're playing for protean city, I'm playing the doomed. The doomed has no moves. Yeah. That's at true. All. They all only well, have features. Yes. Yeah. So like, they have a bunch of things. The difference. So basically the way I think of it is that the move is the big category. And when I'm talking about moves versus features, I'm talking about the things that anybody can pick up. Because uh, if you look at the advancements for all of the playbooks, they have two choices usually that's take a move from another playbook. Yeah. And so that means if you are the Nova, uh, no one can take your incredible, ridiculous, awesome strength by just taking another move. No one can take burns. Well, except except for the doomed, the doomed who can. And that's where it's interesting. Yeah, is that a feature is something that your playbook is about and is core to your playbook and is not for other people to touch. Okay, unless it's a very closely connected playbook. Right. So another person playing uh, just any character couldn't use their advancement to pick up the doom's sanctuary. Exactly. Sanctuary isn't a move. I think that that there is a playbook that gets the doom sanctuary, but again, that is for it's for the doom. Isn't the, um, it's the, the protege has their own sanctuary type thing. Yeah. That's a, that's a a different, it's another feature. yeah. Yeah. Um, because they do slightly different things in the So section. you think it makes more sense to start with moves or to start with those features and then work backwards? I would kind of think and go is kind of you're kind of making a decision what is the coolest thing or is the most important yeah. thing to this a feature or a move. Um yeah. in my uh from Pasión de las Pasiones, I have La Empleada that is about the conflict between between two lovers. Uh, yes, anyone can have two lovers, but La Empleada is really about that in a major way. Yeah. And so I, I want to ensure that that is in place, and I want to ensure that everybody else isn't taking that move to take that story. Okay. If I'm thinking about the things that are essential to the character, 
yeah. that nobody else should be able to do just really easily unless they are a closely associated playbook. Yeah. Um, then those things should become features and then sort of the larger things that might just be the human truths of the person um, or that speak to speaking a larger way to the human condition. Um, those could become moves. So I think the, the wielder playbook definitely needs some kind of a feature about the item. I think the thing that separates it for me is if it's a feature and something doesn't have that feature, they aren't that archetype. Yeah. So the protege without mentors resources is not the protege. Yeah. The Janus without the secret identity is not the Janus. <laughs> the star without an audience. An audience is, is not, the not the star. Yeah. And so kind of having those things, like mm-hmm. having that thing, what is the core to the playbook? Okay. Is well, then, then, figuring that out. Well then definitely the wielder needs some kind of a feature that is their item. Probably. Their item power. Um, because like you can do things in a different way. The delinquent is not the delinquent without getting into trouble. Yeah. But that separates from the reformed, which is the reformed villain. Yeah. Who without having connections in villainy doesn't work. The delinquent needs to have some criminal stuff, needs to have some bad boy yeah. stuff, but they don't need to be directly tied into something specific to yeah. work. You can have delinquents of a thousand different flavors. Yeah, I think there's a there I think that the delinquent is interesting because I think what makes the the delinquent unique is that the thing that is unique about them is they're getting into trouble. Yeah. And that any of their individual moves is something that's that another player or another playbook could have that would be true of another character. But what makes them unique is their like preponderance of of uh yeah. Of of moves that are about getting into trouble. Exactly. Like you would be like very few of the delinquents' moves are not about getting into trouble in some I, way. I think all of them might be. I and mean, so, all of all of them are about being yourself. Yeah. Or getting into trouble. So yeah. like every single one of those is gonna speak to the delinquent very directly. Um the beacon though has their pet. Yeah. Anyone could have a pet that doesn't define who they are directly. And the beacon can be the beacon with or without a pet. Holy shit, I'm tired. I hear you. Um, so I think, so I think, yeah, you're probably right that the wielder's item, yeah, is probably a feature. Yeah, and I think that, and so in the in the sort of thinking about things that I have been doing for this, yeah, I've had this rough idea that yeah, they have to have some sort of a unique feature of their character that is the what is the item, how does it work, what is it, and it is and it is the thing. I think that feature is the. W- the thing that explains what does their item want? Yeah. Maybe it just asks the question. Maybe it provides some suggestions. Uh, what is it that their item is pushing them towards? What mm-hmm. is the, like the personality trait that it's embodying? And yeah. then is also the thing that explains the mechanic I come up with that interacts with their conditions. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think one of the ways you can start to look at it is saying, what is the feature that is most similar to what I'm building. Okay. What is the feature that is the most similar to what I'm building? Are you asking me that? Yeah. Okay. I guess. <laughs> so I think there's four playbooks that really have good jumping off points, kind of good starting ideas. Okay. For the wielder um, in their feature. Uh, the Janus is actually a little bit weird because you start with the mask. Okay. But it's described as just a move. Um, and then your secret identity is the feature that you have. Okay. 
That said, uh, I think that that could very easily also have been a feature if it weren't for the fact that the mask is a great move for anybody who has a secret identity yeah. to pick up. It's basically secret identity the move. Uh, so, like, you know, I can understand that being a move. Uh, the legacy has a move that essentially sets up obligations and makes it so that you have to act in a way that's in 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 line with your legacy. Yeah. And that is in some ways similar to how the reformed works. Okay. I don't the, know the reformed that well. Okay. The reformed is one of the new ones. It's from Halcyon city, the Halcyon Herald. city Herald. Yeah. Uh, and it is a reformed villain. Yeah. And what yeah. it is, is I'm, you have obligations from various other villains. So instead of having the legacy that it's like, this is who you are. The reformed is, Hey, someone's going to come a call in at some point. Okay. And I think that in kind of a broad way, the wielder is in the middle of those two. Yeah. That you've got someone who's coming to call in right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you necessarily need the kind of obligation track that the reformed has, but I think it is more immediate than the legacy because the legacy kicks in, uh, kicks in when time passes. And I think that the wielder, the weapon or whatever we want to call yeah, it, yeah. is should be happening in the moment. Yeah, and it's definitely a like if like like, like the best example. I keep coming back to this being a uh, King Arthur character. Yeah, because it's just their easiest way to explain as a default thing. Um, but I've been thinking about if if um, if your King Arthur kid has the sword Excalibur and the sword Excalibur yeah. wants to push them towards justice. Yeah, and they see somebody stealing and they just let it happen. Like that's yeah. where the sword should kick in and push influence on them or make yeah. them feel guilty. Exactly. And I think maybe what we should be looking for with the wielder's feature is writing down or choosing a couple of things that your weapon cannot allow. Yeah. That when your weapon sees these things occur, yeah. what happens? Okay. What triggers? Yeah, I like that. I like it being not what is it pushing you towards, but what won't it, what, or what are some specific actions that it won't allow? Well, I mean, it could also be that it's pushing you towards something also. Yeah, okay. It might be good to have the player write in what it's pushing you towards mm -hmm. and have a couple of choices for what is it, what will it not allow? Yeah, I think that might take the form of like a question that is something like, what does the item embody? What is the, yeah. what is the truth? Or what is one thing that is that the, the item believes is true? What yeah. is the, what is there? What is its go purpose in the world? Yeah. Um, and like the purpose of Excalibur is justice. The purpose yeah. of the venom suit is chaos. The, the purpose or the, or to bring out the worst in people or whatever. Um, the source of I have some interesting thoughts about the symbiote okay. suit that we do not have time for <laughs> right, right now. So <laughs> later when we start our, uh, our Marvel podcast. Yeah. Um, like the, the ghost rider is there for vengeance. Yeah. Um, and to, and for, to punish. Yeah. Uh, the Punisher is there also to punish. The Punisher is also there to separate. punish. His item is a gun. The the Punisher is there for hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love the Punisher when he's done right. Uh, I think I've actually said that on this podcast before. Probably. Yeah. Because we all are just going in circles. Uh, <laughs> the Planeteers yeah. are there to... to uh, because Captain Planet is the, their hero. Yeah. To protect yeah. the environment. Heart. The dinosaurs uh, are there because dinosaurs came down from space and said, you are planteers, but we haven't paid for the rights to this. So here's a ring. You can summon some dinosaurs. Uh, the samurai pizza cats are here <laughs> for pizza. Yeah. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are here also for pizza. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case. Yeah. Um. So I think that maybe what could be interesting is setting it up so that it connects to a label. And this allows you to connect to the labels and it allows you to connect to the conditions at the same time. Yeah. Uh, where when you're writing in justice, when you're writing in love, when you're writing in uh, protection, that's just writing it in. And then you're choosing the thing that it will not abide. And so if it will not abide turning down a fight, yeah. then you're talking about afraid because that's directly engage a threat. Do you think that it makes sense? Maybe this is getting a little, because I, I want to keep this big picture. Yeah, yeah. And I have another big picture question, but, okay. I have, but I have a small picture question to ask you. Okay. Do you think it makes sense to then have that be big like headline? What is the thing that your item represents? Yeah. And then more specific have like a, like in the way that the reformed has a series of names that then you define an obligation for each of them. Yeah. Um, almost have a list of each of the conditions and say, what is the action that, that the item cannot abide that would cause you to feel this the most? Oh, that, that could work. That could be a lot of cognitive load. Yeah. Having to come up with an action for each of the okay. labels could be a little tough. Right. That said, you could have like a list of, oh, kind of, you could actually use kind of like the Janus's thing that it has jobs, schools, home, social. Okay. And you choose one thing from a list of things. Okay. And maybe you choose three things that it will not abide. And so like maybe it will, won't turn down a fight, which is connected to afraid and danger. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, uh, like not like allowing someone to be hurt could okay. be a savior thing that actually re- leads really well into my next question, which okay. is a, a less uh, wielder specific and more yeah. general, general, a more general specific, general specific question, yeah. a more general question, which is when, because this is the thing that, that power by apocalypse playbooks do both of. Yeah. When do you go with a blank and ask the player to fill in? Yeah. And when do you go with a list that they have to select one from? That is an interesting question. Um, because there isn't a hard and fast rule for that. I don't think, right. I mean, honestly, all of the, none of this is hard and fast rules. Yeah. yeah Vincent yeah. Baker recently had a Vincent and McGay, I think actually worked together on this big blog post that was basically like, Hey, you know what a PBTA game is? It's a game that the person <laughs> feels inspired by PBTA yeah. and wants to give us credit. Okay. So like, let, let's, let's, but, so like kind of like, in that way, there's kind of a big question. Right. So um, I guess what I was thinking is, obviously to me, where you put a list is where you want to focus in yeah. um, to a specific type of thing. Yeah. And or like like when you like the list of powers is yes. is usually very it's, it's vague in that yeah. each of the powers in very is, is progressed up in an intentionally vague way, but that the list is very specific yeah. because it usually is calling out to specific heroes in comic books that, that, that are embodied, embodied by the playbook. Yeah. Um, whereas, or even something as simple as like the Nova's list of, of flares are a specific list that yeah. you pick from, but that you, Versus like naming the legacy things or, yeah, 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 yeah. or, um, oh, you know what? Um, the, uh, the newborn, yeah. which is another Halcyon city hero, uh, Herald thing that is a, a new being that is trying to understand the world. It has blanks. Yeah. Uh, for like, 
uh, I oh, yeah, am blank. Yeah, a superhero yeah, yeah. should blank, always blank. And so that's a good example of where you, you're asking the player to think about the playbook and answer yeah. some questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think, so here's where I think the division line kind of goes. Okay. And this can be, I just want to clar- class- yeah. clarify this. This can just be what's true for you because yeah. we, we are just here talking. I'm not asking Absolutely. necessarily big picture. Like, I think it's important for the listeners to be aware that I'm, I'm not asking like you're just, you're Brandon. You yeah, are you're pretty close into this, but you are not Vincent Baker. You're not like the, I mean, and, even Vincent well, actually, Baker has yeah, sort the, of said he's not the owner of this play of this, this game. Exactly. But we're not, we're not speaking in, in like capital letter uh, rules but just what is true for you in your experience? What have you found is that dividing line? So for me, where the dividing line is, um, and you can assume that every single sentence I say starts with for me, yes. um, does it have to happen that way for that playbook mm-hmm. or does it depend really significantly upon the specific character? Okay. So the legacy, it's very important to the playbook of the legacy that, you have members of the legacy. Right. That they potentially could be one of these things that's already there, is still active and prominent, is retired and quite judgmental, is the next possible member, is the greatest opponent your legacy ever faced. Those are core and important to the legacy. It doesn't matter what their name is. Yeah. Because that's for you to decide. Yeah. In the same way that it's important for the newborn to be trying to establish truths, yeah. but that those truths need to be specific to that character you're playing. Exactly. And so those are super important, but they're very important to specifically your new one. Right. Now, the Janus goes in a different direction that it has like jobs, barista, intern, hostess, salesperson, delivery person, fast food worker. It's just giving you ideas because it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And if you look at that and you go, Oh, my job is YouTuber. Yeah. That's totally valid. That's totally fine. Who cares? And so like, it's kind of like one, like if you're circling it from the list so that you don't need to think about it as hard, then, then yeah, you can have the list. Yeah. If you're circling it from the list because these are the only options, then, then that's also something that's kind of important. Yeah. But basically what I think a lot of it comes down to is saying, Hey, we've done some of the legwork for you. Yeah. I think, I think it could even be something as simple as even if the understanding is you can go off list. Yeah. Here is a list of things that are typically true of characters that we did some research for. This will work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and, And in fact, it's, it's a little bit more important for us. Like I'm looking down at this, this page of the, uh, of the star. Yeah. And they have a huge cuz they have three big questions that are asked. Yeah. And they and they have they have they have a six point or six option list for each of them and you mark all or none that apply or I think you have to mark at least one, mark all that apply. And so those are a lot of there's a lot of choices there, there's a lot of words there. It's not just like a list of powers that are just a quick thing. Yeah. And so what they're saying is that this audience thing is important to the star. And in yeah. fact it's so important to us that we like, and and that it's the same across so many stars that here is a list of things. Yeah. Um, and so like, like, let me, let me do a quick thing okay. in terms of comparing the beacon to the innocent. Okay. The innocent is another Halcyon city hero, yeah. uh, Harold. Uh, it's someone who's come forward in time and has a bitter version of themselves in the future. Yeah. Uh, the beacon chooses drives and there's like 18 different drives. 
uh, which are things that they want to do as a superhero. It's 18 cool superhero things. Yeah. Does it really matter what they are? Not really. But do you want, uh, do you, do we want uh, Mark to come in for Brodian City? Yeah. And have to come up with 19 cool superhero things yeah. at the drop of a hat. No, that's yeah. the first off, that's a ton of cognitive load on him. <laughs> Secondly, we'll all yeah. be sitting there twiddling our thumbs. But it's also important that the 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 beacon have a lot of them. It's important yeah. that there be 19. It, there have, they have to be a they lot have of them. have to work through them all. Exactly. Um, whereas, so like that's one reason that you might have a list. Okay. The other reason you might have a list is that it's mechanically important. Um, the innocent. It has your future self, and it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight kind of big possibilities of things that could have happened to your future self that made them embittered. They're really huge. Yeah. Uh, they committed a major crime. They betrayed a close friend or ally. Uh, they killed someone. They injured an, an innocent. Like, they injured an innocent yeah. is enormous. Oh, that's God, yeah. Such a, that's such a huge category, and that could mean anything from, like, bruising someone's elbow to like really badly injuring someone. Yeah. And so it's important to the playbook that these are things that could happen. Uh, because if you made it more specific and like you were filling it in yourself and you said like, you know, uh, killed a construct as though it wasn't human and then learned that it was human. That's too specific. Yeah. And so it won't work anymore. So, Kind of what I'm getting from you is that where to go with a list yeah. are places where it's important to the character that that one of a set of things be true. Yeah. And that maybe the best solution, like with, with the um uh the, the innocent, you were saying, yeah. like that's it's important to hit the right level of detail. Yeah. And so again, it's even if they go off book, you're signaling the level. Like it's important yeah. that it be less specific than blew out their mother's candles during a birthday party. Yeah. But more specific than felt bad one day. Yeah. And so like it gives you the ballpark to play with and it also makes it so that you don't need to, it makes it so that it's not too samey. You're not doing the same thing with every single innocent. And it makes it so that you don't need to sit there and write five pages of yeah. backstory to hit something. Yeah. Um, these are cues and goalposting for the players. Yeah. When you're leaving a blank, it's because you want to know something very specific. You want yeah. to know exactly okay. what is going on. Uh, so like, you know, for the legacy, we got to know that the Golden Gloves predecessor is the golden glove from the bronze generation. That's important in order to understand that character and see that character forward. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't be using examples from other theoretically competitor podcasts, but they're good, but they're, they're, they're doing good stuff and we don't have a legacy. Uh, So like, you know, I think that's what you got to do is say what, so like for the wielder, for example, if you say, Hey, what's the thing that it doesn't allow? And it says, and like, you know, you leave it blank. Then the player says someone getting hurt. That's way too freaking broad. Yeah. Like that's, that's so broad that they'd be destroyed in seconds. And I think the doomed is actually a similar thing that if the choices for what causes you to mark your doom sign were up to anybody, 
you would have chosen you breathe a breath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, yeah. you want to be destroyed. Every you, time you, you inhale, Mark. You get doing. in a superhero fight. That's too that's too general. Yeah. Uh you your nemesis breaks a bone is too specific. Yeah. So and and so that's I think hitting that right level of specificity for me is something yeah. that is that is one of the most thing most important things about masks playbooks that really makes them sing yeah because like as i'm thinking about this it needs to be equally true that you could pick up the wielder playbook that i'm working on yeah and play the reincarnated king arthur yes but also sailor moon yeah there's no reason like you should be able to play both or of those things yeah yeah and so it can't be so specific that it would rule out one of those things but it must yeah. also be obviously true that you could do one or the other definitely um, and leaving blanks is a good way to build out the character. It's a bad way to push the mechanics. Yeah. Which, oh, that would have been a much pithier, <laughs> faster way for me to do it. So maybe what I do want is a, so we come back to, well, I still want something that. This might end up being two episodes. Yeah. Figuring out the I think we might have to come more. back to this at some yeah. point, but because we are, we are at. 49 minutes. Okay. My guess would be for editor James that we are at 45 minutes. Oh, okay. Uh, I've yeah. been pretty bad lately. Yeah. Um, well, that's okay. Hey, bud. Hey. How you doing? Play nice. Please do. Um, so then I guess, so, the, oh my gosh, we've only talked about the feature. So <laughs> let's try to talk a little bit about moves. Okay, yeah. One thing I see a lot of people doing that I think is a major mistake. Ooh, that's good. And yeah, I'm about to throw some shade. Uh, is but I don't want to make mistakes. That's what I was doing. I don't want to make mistakes. So okay. tell me how not to make mistakes. Uh, is they start by naming the moves. Ooh, yeah. Uh, they go like, "Hey, what are some, what are some names of moves that are funny puns?" And that ends up with starting with the names of moves ends up making kind of disjointed playbooks. Um, so I think kind of the example that I would look to where a playbook started to sort of fall apart because it doesn't hold together because maybe they started with some names of moves is uh, the Immolator, which is from Dungeon World. It was uh, created as kind of like a additional supplemental class uh, for a very legitimate, very awesome charity event. Yeah. Uh, the Immolator can be played. I think it needs a lot of little changes to make it really sing the way I would like to see it sing. Okay. Uh, but the thing that drives me most crazy about it is it has a move called fighting fire with fire, which is a phenomenal name for a fire wizard. (laughs) You know, like that, that's a really good name. And actually all of the playbook moves have really great names and fighting fire with fire is about when you take damage and that damage is odd the flames within you come to your your aid, and so when you take damage, you have basically like an additional shield thing. And so there's a lot of pressure on the move to be you get hurt and your fire gets boosted up. And I get that that can work for something about fire in general. You know, fighting fire with fire and kind of like fire and like rage coming up all makes sense. This is a wizard that isn't... Like it, the rest of it doesn't speak to the idea that you're in the middle getting, getting hurt and getting hit. Yeah. 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 And like, it also just, uh, give me fuel, give me fire 
is the name of one of the moves, <laughs> which is an excellent yeah. move. But it's about when you gaze intensely into someone's eyes, you may ask their player what fuels the flames of your desire. Uh, and so you have this character that is about firebending and like it's either about passion and and fire and sacrifice, which I think is really what it's about. And I think that the entire playbook was kind of designed around this specific joke of give me fuel, give me fire, which makes it so that the fighting fire with fire just doesn't connect to it as well. Mm. Um, It has moves uh, burns twice as bright and burns half as long. That is just like a really complicated move that I think doesn't really work well. And they, I think he wanted to have burns twice as bright and burns half as long as two moves, but they're two separate advanced moves that you get automatically when you take one of the moves. So like, it's just, it makes, I think that people tend to overcomplicate things and tend to get kind of stuck in their own fiction around it when they start to name the move first. Well, it's good. And I don't, I don't know necessarily <laughs> that Adam Coble did that. Yeah. And Adam Coble has some amazing, phenomenal design. But the the emulator is the one that is most namey with its moves. Yeah. And I think the so playbook could, that works worst out yeah. of all of the rest of the playbooks that I think stick together much better. <laughs> okay. Well, that's 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 good advice. Uh, it is also good because I had started thinking about moves and I had not thought about names at all. Okay, good. So you're on the I right track. I started thinking about like what is it that this character does when the the sword or whatever it is pushes them toward an action? Yeah. Like how do they rebel? How do they, where do they go for protection? Where do they, who do they turn to for support? Um, like what are the things that, that people who are bullied do when yeah. they are bullied? Yeah. And so I started thinking about those things as maybe my sources for what my moves are. Yeah. And I think that, that, that is a really a better place to start out. And like, it might be that you have, a single move that's just an amazing pun that ends up working. Or maybe you create the move first and the pun really works afterwards. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, the Beacon's move names are amazing and flavorful, but more importantly, they hit what a Beacon is about. Yeah. Um, when you look to, like, a character like... I mean, the Beacon is... The beacon has so many things, <laughs> but I've also seen moves that had really good text yeah. and and kind of just like bland names, but that were still I could still recognize they were really great names or really yeah. great moves yeah. that I really enjoyed. And I've also seen moves like some of the playbooks have moves that have names that are excellent puns yeah. that have nothing to do with what the move is. Yeah, and I'm still like I like puns, so it's, yeah, like I don't so care. you know it's 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 fun to to hit the the puns, uh, but I think what matters. For First is making sure that the move works in an interesting way. So like, so kind of like move construction in a general sense. Moves are about the trigger and then the fiction that it produces. Uh, so every move should have when you blank, something happens. Yeah. Uh, and that is the most basic of a move. Uh, where it gets more complicated is figuring out whether it's going to be a move that's something rolled or whether it's going to be something that just happens. Yeah. So, uh, the Janus, uh, I'll save you. You're willing to pay high cost to keep your loved ones safe. Reveal your secret identity to someone watching or mark a condition to defend a loved one as if you rolled a 12. So it's formatted a little differently, but at its core, 
when you reveal your secret identity to someone watching in order to defend a loved one, you defend as though you rolled a 12 plus. Okay. Uh, and if you can't make a move do that, then it doesn't work. Yeah. And I mean, some of the moves, some of the moves in Apocalypse World and some of the kind of first generation uh, Apocalypse World games have are things like add one to your cold. Yeah. And <laughs> that works, but depending upon like for masks, the way you would do that instead is add one to a label and lock that label. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have to play with what's in the game. Okay. Um, and having something that says, hey, add plus one to your cold is a fine move. There are players that will look at that and go, yes, that's awesome. I'm more powerful. But it's a lot of times more fun to have new things you can do. Okay. And especially with masks, you got to be doing that. Yeah. And they have to be evocative and like adding one to your cold or whatever yeah. is like, so whatever. It's a little boring. Um, like it's, so it's a little dry. We're, I think we're running a little out of time. So I wanted to really quick do maybe some not super rapid fire, but okay. I just wanted to hit you with some types of things that, you, that I've seen in moves. Okay. And why don't you tell me like why you would use one uh, and what, like, like what purpose would you use it for as okay. a tool? Sounds good. Um, so there's the type of move that is like roll. And then depending on your role, pick one of these following things. Like you yes. ask a question or one of pick one or, or, or pick two or whatever of these yeah. things happen. So the reason that I would use one of those, that's kind of the bigger moves. Um, those are the moves that have a lot of moving parts. The reason that I would make one of those moves is that I want to really move the fiction forward in a big way. It doesn't fit within one of the basic moves. If the basic move can do it, the basic move has been designed very carefully to hit the thing very well. So if you're replacing a basic move, for example, uh, the way the innocent does, then you're having a whole new setup of what happens. Mm -hmm. And so the move needs to have options that are in kind of a broad sense, equally appealing because one of the big pitfalls that I see with choose one of these option moves is when one of the options is so good that you choose it every single time. Okay. Now with directly engage a threat, this is a really good example of how to set up, how to set up the different options. Because when you do that, you are picking an option or two from the list, depending upon how well you rolled. Resist or avoid their blows, take something from them, create an opportunity, or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. All of those are really good. If one of them said, knock out your enemy, chances are most players would choose that every single yeah. time. And so it can't be that good, and it can't be boring. Yeah. So like... um. One of the things that is not on here is hit them extra hard. Yeah. Because for superheroes, that's kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, if you're Hawkeye and you hit them super hard, then you've hit them as hard as Captain America hits them. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, you're yeah. Hulk and you hit them super hard. They're dead. I mean, frankly. in space. Yeah, you're Hulk. You already <laughs> hit them super hard. That's a boring yeah. thing to have. So... So to sort of summarize, a yeah. like a choose one or two, whatever move yeah. after a roll is is in the same way that lists are like we talked about earlier. Lists are ways where you can focus in the uh, the the mechanics towards the genre or whatever. Yeah, um, l choosing one from a list is a way for a specific move in your character's playbook to hijack the narrative and push you in a certain direction. Yeah. And it gives you some choice, but it limits the ways that it can end up. Yeah. It, 
it also lets you know like, hey, this, it basically, it's, it's good for a playbook to have a move like that when there isn't a move, a basic move that could also do it. Yeah. Because you can also modify a basic move, which might right. be one of the categories you're going to yeah, talk about. Actually that, that leads right in. That was, that would be what I would call like a substitution move. Yeah. Where it says like, like, like I'm just, I, this is because I'm looking at the star playbook, but it has a stage fighting move where, so you can, yeah. you, whenever you, instead of using the typical directly engaged stuff, you whenever you directly engage with an audience watching, you can roll plus superior instead of danger. Yeah. And so, so why, why would you have that? Yeah. Because the basic move is doing the heavy lifting, but it's telling you that you can and should be doing things in a specific way. Okay. Um, so the transformed also has someone, has that. Uh, wish I could be when you comfort or support someone. If you tell them what you most envy about them, you can roll plus freak instead of plus mundane. Uh, that's because it's great for it to have a move that lets you do that. That, yeah. that lets you comfort and support someone, but it doesn't make sense to rewrite the entire move. Yeah, and I think the I think the outsider has some of those things too. Yeah, uh, where they where the whole they playbook use, is just encouraging you to be freaky and weird, yeah. and so it makes sense for them to swap out some dangerous or uh, maybe it's uh, mundane instead of use freak instead of mundane. I think freak for, instead of mundane uh, does that for the, the mask for the transformed and for the outsider. Um, the legacy has some playing with using uh, savior because frequently the legacy is about being the big superhero. It's about yeah. being Superman. Uh, and so really what that is doing is it's letting you play to your strengths and reminding you what your strength should be with this playbook. So they're kind of moves as I'm just realizing, I'm trying to process this thought right now. Okay. Um, moves kind of are, like I said, they are either taking the form of something that is grabbing because you have done something narratively, it's grabbing the plot and and like and 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 railroading you towards a certain uh, outcome from that event. Yeah, because it wants you you specifically, or it wants the way that you've done something to sort of railroad the the larger narrative in a specific way. Um, or it's because it's or it's rewarding you for acting in a specific way, like a lot of the outsider moves, they reward you for acting kind of freaky because yeah. they want the, 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 the playbook wants the player to play in a certain way. The, the secret is that all the moves are, all the moves are is it's giving you an incentive to act towards your playbook genre. Um, the innocent has maybe the best example I've ever seen of hitting genre because what the innocent is, is it's the, the young innocent version of a cold jaded hard hero and one of the moves you can choose is martyr when you take a powerful blow while defending someone or something you may shift savior up and any other label down and that is important because the innocent is about being innocent and by about saying hey i'm a superhero and i'm doing i'm doing the good thing it's about choosing that good thing and at the beginning of your cycle at the beginning of your story you're choosing the good thing because you're innocent and naive and you care and at the end of your story, it's still important because it reminds you, even though you're cold and jaded and harsh and like your basic moves have been replaced, you don't reject influence. You spit in the face of guidance or, or, uh, or influence. You don't comfort or support. You coldly dismiss people. Like it is a dark freaking class. Is the, 
Is that the one where it replaces your directly engaged? Like I, I love, I love the playbooks that totally replace basic moves and say, you don't do this this way anymore. You do it yeah. a totally different way. Replace defend someone with the following. When you aggressively defend a large group or area. Yeah. Uh, and so like what it does is it makes it so that you do the basic moves differently, but the move martyr that tells you when you take a powerful blow for someone, you get to raise your savior it's a reminder that the innocent is interesting when they are, when they are protecting somebody. They're, they're most interesting in that moment. Uh, the transformed has, uh, when you directly engage a threat in a terrifying fashion, mark a condition to choose an additional option. That's because the transformed is most interesting when they are being terrifying and monstrous. They're also the most interesting when they they're also most interesting when they are talking about what they could be and trying to be superhuman like yeah. not trying to be superhuman yeah. trying to be very mundane and so having the moves be things that if you are doing the thing then you are hitting the genre is almost the most important thing so it almost almost a good methodology for coming up with some moves would be to ignore for the beginning the yeah. the results of the moves and mm-hmm. more just focus on like what are some actions that I would that my players should be like players playing this playbook should be doing yeah. and once I've established a list of those then go back and say okay well what happens thematically for this right. playbook okay so so what does the wielder do what are the things yeah. that are most interesting for the wielder to do well yeah so they, when I mean, they when they, they they go with yeah their when, item. They, when they give in to the item a little bit too in much some sort maybe of way. yeah when they reject it when yeah. they feel bullied by it yeah and like some of those things might be things that fit nicely into the uh, feature I think that the wielder probably is going to be a pretty feature heavy thing yeah because when you give in to your item that might be something that happens like maybe just when you give in to your item uh. Maybe you just mark potential no matter what. Yeah. Like when you're doing the thing, if there is a easy thing that the item wants you to do. Yeah. I uh, think a, a good move might be when you give into your item or you're given to your powers, but you hurt someone or you like when you, you hurt someone you care about by giving into your. Yeah. Item. Or like you prevent a group goal. Like when you get in the way of something, um, when you, uh, when you, uh, oh, there should be definitely something that involves using teams selfishly. Yeah. The delinquent has that. Tor- okay. But the delinquent, like, it, but it would be different, I think. Yeah. Because but, it's not using it for you. It's using it to feed this, this like bully machine. Yeah. That's, that's giving you powers and pushing and, you toward a specific goal. And maybe spending team lets you get it off your back. Yeah. Like yeah. when you do the action. When you use a team selfishly, you clear a condition. Yeah, that could be. As opposed to like doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you use your team selfishly in pursuit of your item stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, all of that's your call. Or it yeah. could even just be yeah. when you use team selfishly. If you use team to benefit you and your item. Yeah. Selfishly. Clear a condition. I think that um, well, we have a good starting point for me. And I think that anyone listening who is also working on a powered by the apocalypse playbook or is interested in working through a character has some good starting grounds. Yeah. And like always hit us up if you've got a cool playbook project. I have not seen a ton of masks playbooks. I haven't either. The, the masks community on G plus has a couple of them. Um, I think there might even be something that 
tries to do the wielder, yeah. it does it in a very different way. I don't think that like these don't overlap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the the bullying aspect was complete is, is not is in needs that. To, yeah. is, is the thing that is so obvious for what it needs to be to me yeah. and feels very different than anything I've seen. Yeah. Well, right. Cause you're making a playbook. You're making this playbook because we're going to probably feature it on the show. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because like, it's, it's partially because it's the thing I want to play. Yeah, exactly. So, so summing back up, um, they're coming back around. I think that there's a good place to start. I think yeah. it's, um, I think you laid a whole bunch of knowledge on me and I think I'm going to have to go work on this. I, yeah, I, I think that we also could potentially see a, fun episode coming out of looking at the moves once they're put together. Yeah. Um, I hope that any of this has been helpful. I have no idea. I feel it like is, a little yeah. bit of it was I do just feel like, like I have brain a starting vomit. point now where I can start working on this. I don't know uh, because we do have a whole bunch of conventions like Metatopia is coming up. I'm working on a game for that. Um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, I have to write that game before I write any of this. Um, <laughs> I'm working on this ice haulers game, which we've talked about in the past. And yeah. You are finishing up or you have actually finished up your, my, uh, your ash can. My ash can for- is done. I actually, during this got an email that, uh, that the first round of editing had been completed and nice. I need to, a review a bunch of edits so we will maybe either right before or right after metatopia uh we'll sit down and chat about actually probably makes more sense to do it right after because yeah. then because i'm actually play testing a game this year which yeah mind-blowing um we can talk about how that went and we can talk about like the status of of your game and the stuff that i'm working on and we'll have a little bit of protein city behind under our belts and everything will be great yeah should be fun and i'll have some free time yeah <laughs> Um, and you've also got that, as long as we're talking about Metatopia a little bit, we should mention oh, that you a are doing a panel that sounds a lot of fun. Yeah, so um, I won't talk about who's on it yet, because I okay. think, well, I know, I'll say that Meg is on it, because Meg is officially added to the list. Yeah, Meg Dornbrock of Modifier, I don't a wonderful think that, podcast, you should check it out. I don't, there are some other guests that are interesting that people will be interested in, and uh, it is on Friday, I think, at 2 o'clock. Uh, it's D18, go look okay. it up on the Metatopia website. Um, and I'm going to be, and we're going to be chatting about actual play podcasts and where like the future of actual play podcasts matches up with some game design stuff. Um, and basically uh, we're talking about how, um, both Meg and I and some of the other hosts have doing, I've been doing some thinking recently about so much actual play is just yeah. your typical game group and someone put a microphone in the middle of the table. Right. And it doesn't really have to be that way. Like we can be more flexible. The stuff we're doing with Protean city is treating it more like a comic, treating it more like a produced thing. Yeah. Um, but also we've done episodes on audience interaction and stuff like that. And we want to incorporate a bunch of that into our podcast. Meg is doing a cool, is planning some cool stuff with tales from Thetis. Yeah. I'm um, excited for that as well. And, and yeah. when, when, when will we eventually inevitably see game designers designing games to be played specifically on my podcast? Yeah. And I think, I think we're moving right towards that. This will yeah. actually be a lot of fun. And if you're a listener, hit us up before the beginning of November and we'll, we're going to have some kind of a meetup. Uh, I don't know what it is. It might just be like us seeing a couple of friends that we already kind of know. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, but we'll do be something. At Metatopia, it will be so there. If you'll be there, let us know. Um, and also listen to party and city comics, our new com, our new podcast. There's actually episodes out now. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. We've been getting some very, very nice feedback from people yeah. that has me thinking that maybe it's good. 
Yeah. So <laughs> check so it this out. This week we had, it, and and just if you are used to our every other week style of of uh, relaxed release schedule, get ready for a whirlwind of podcast <laughs> because because Protein City is every week. Yeah. Um. And so we we are halfway through the first ish, uh, first volume of issues. We're more um, than that. We're two thirds of the right, way through. Right. Yeah. Um. And so the great thing about I was thinking about this today, actually, that the great thing about it is because each of them is sort of its own little contained story because they are, we are basically playing one, like not one shots, but we are playing um, each set of issues. Each volume is a play session. Yeah. So you can sort of jump in at the beginning of any volume and you might miss some of the larger overarching stuff, but the, the sort of the, the more specific plot, the, because each, and, and also because each, volume is going to be with a different group of characters, different players. So that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of really interesting entry points. So hopefully it'll yeah. be good. So yeah. Future of actual play podcasts. Maybe yeah. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> if you would like to contact us, feel free to hit us up. We're on Twitter. Probably too much, uh, together as at stop hack and roll. And I am at Dr. Captain Cobalt. And I'm at end the meltdowns. You can find our episodes uh, links to the new podcast um, and a whole bunch of other stuff, some of the games we're working on, etc., on our website, which is www.stophackandroll.com. You can also email us if you've got something that's uh, too long for a tweet, if it's more than 140 slash 280 characters. You can email Brandon at stophackandroll.com or James at stophackandroll.com. Yep, you can find us on iTunes and Google Play and pretty much any podcast uh, conglomerating uh, finding app. Um, so you should find us in those places and subscribe to make sure you get our episodes every two weeks and rate us and review us, which will help uh, new fans find us and help you feel good about giving us feedback. Yeah. Uh, and if you've got a friend that you think would really like the show, uh, send them our way. We would love to see them. Both this podcast and our and our new podcast, Protean City Comics, are paid for by you guys, our listeners, our fantastic patrons. Patrons like Rob Harvey, V. Brower, Declan Chadbourne, Chad Owen, Blake Ryan, Anthony Nomorosa, Troy Pitchelman, Richard Kritz Landry, Riverhouse Games, Randy Lubin, Nick Clark, Robert Kosick, and Rob Abervisado. I love so much hearing you say that list because all of those people also are super involved in our Discord. Yeah. And so if you're looking for a way to be involved with the show, but you aren't able to put money towards it right now or you don't feel like we're worth money right now, that's okay. Come <laughs> hit us up. We yeah. are we have such a vibrant little chatting community about both of our podcasts at tinyurl.com slash shr discord or at discord.com. Stophackandroll.com. I can never remember that one. Yeah. And and like I think I've said this in a, a, a bunch in the past, but <laughs> we often draw a lot of our episode topics from conversations we've started having with listeners in the Discord. Yeah. So if you want us to talk about something specific that you're interested in, come to the Discord and and just talk about it and ask questions is a really great way to get us to start thinking and go, oh, maybe that should be an episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guess what we've been thinking about this week? We've been thinking about Powered by the Apocalypse moves yeah. and how they work and why Apocalypse World games work. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> so as you're walking down the street uh, and seeing a penny on the ground and picking it up and hearing its voice in your head driving you to buy candy, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll.
It's your boy. Like and subscribe. Yeah, do all the socials. Check out these other videos I got.